got another treat for you guys coming up today. Really excited. Welcome to Fantasy MLB Today, guys. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host. You guys can go ahead and find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99. So that's at J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. And you guys can also go ahead and follow the Ethos Fantasy BB account, which is where the show is posted out from every day. And we hope that throughout the season, we give you more content uh, from both of those channels. But specifically on mine, you will see a list of players to add and drop and other fantasy content stuff. Uh, we, we're not so prolific yet. We just mostly are going with a list of most added players and my suggestions on them. As the season goes on, I plan on ramping up the Twitter activity uh, quite a bit. Right now, I'm usually tweeting out just one thread a day, something like that. But I uh, maybe two. But I like to I'd like to ramp that up as the season goes on and start giving you guys as much content as possible. So we are going to be bringing on uh, a guest today. Uh, those of you who follow fantasy baseball, reading articles, uh, and those of you who are just aware of the fantasy baseball community will know uh, who our next guest is. So without further further ado, I will welcome in our guest for today, Mr. Ray Murphy of Baseball HQ. Thank you so much for joining us today, Ray. Glad to be here, Joe. Uh, well, you can find him on Twitter at Ray HQ. He is the co-general manager at Baseball HQ. So you guys want to go ahead and give him a follow. Today we're going to be going over a couple of guys who may have been drafted fairly early on who are a little bit concerning to start the year. And then we'll maybe touch on a couple of guys who went later on in drafts who have showed uh, a lot of promise early on. So uh, is there anybody that jumps to mind for you that you picked in the first few rounds who's uh, worrying you a little bit here? It's so hard to say just because it's so early and we've seen such small sample sizes. The other thing that I'm worried I'm trying to be mindful of with pitchers is that we're still seeing the, uh, the effects of the shortened spring training. And one thing in particular is that I feel like this week would have been the normal time for a lot of pitchers to have like a late spring training, like dead arm period, or, you know, pitching through some, uh, some fatigue or the, you know, the random third week of spring training, my velocity's down four miles an hour. And then you just kind of slog through it and a week later, they're fine. So for sure, like your know, top of mind for me, would be um, Julio Urias, who you know had a really lousy start in Colorado. Well, you know that's not concerning on its own, except for the fact that you know his velocity was off like three miles an hour or something like that, which you know gets your attention more than the fact that he got hit around in Coors Field. But you know, back to my point, we're going to need another start to see, or you know, maybe even two to see if that was random dead arm time at his spring ramp up. You know, it's not like the Dodgers went rushing to put him on the DL after that outing, so. Seems right. like they don't necessarily think anything is wrong there. They're going to run them out there. As a fantasy owner, it makes them kind of tough to cross your fingers and run them out there after that outing. But if you paid, you know, 25 bucks or a third round draft pick for Julio Urias, if he randomly got stuck, got rocked in his first start in Coors Field, you'd start him in second start without question, not knowing any other details. So I guess that's what we do. Yeah, it's, it's a little concerning. Um, he was one of the, major bright spots. I think he was the only 20 game winner uh, from a year ago. Yeah. And on that Dodgers team, you have to figure he'll turn it around. Uh, now the short spring is definitely something to keep in mind. It worried me a little bit uh, with regards to Brandon Woodruff with all of the Brewers starters, really none of them were 
terribly impressive, I didn't think. But Woodruff in particular worried me a little bit. And going back to last year, I remember some of the underlying stuff down the stretch being a bit concerning with him, uh, more so than Peralta and Burns. But I do remember there being conversations, um, not so much, but a little bit last year and throughout the offseason that people were staying away from him a little bit, that they were uh, a little bit worried about Woodruff. And he, he did get rocked around uh, quite badly on Saturday, Friday, Saturday. So I, I, I drafted him in a couple of cases, and I'm, I'm a little bit worried uh, going forward with Woodruff. Yeah, he's a, you know, I thought he might have been a tick overdrafted <laughs> just because as good as he was last year, I think a lot of that was front loaded. He had a ridiculous like sub two ERA in the first half and, you know, which was a bit out, out over his skis in terms of where his underlying skills were. The second half was still plenty good, but it was way more in line with what we would have expected from him. about a, you know, three and a half ERA and an expected ERA that was right in line with that. So if you think he's a true sort of a true talent, three and a half ERA pitcher, but you know, he was being drafted, you know, as high as he was kind of, you know, with the lingering effect of that first half uh, success he had last year, that was a little bit, maybe a little bit out over his skis. So, um, but none of that is to say that, you know, we expect him to get rock around the way he did. But again, you know, you can sit here and make excuses for these guys, especially at one start, you know, until the end of time. I mean, that start was in Chicago. I think I watched some of that game and, you know, it's one of those days in Chicago where, you know, everyone not only has the gloves on, but, you know, they're wearing hoodies on the field and, uh, you know, they're kind of the neck gator, gator sweatshirt things. And, uh, you know, it was like 45 degrees and you could just tell it was raw. Everyone's blowing on their hands. And, you know, at some point, you know, coming off a short spring training that, by the way, was held in Florida and Arizona, uh, you can imagine that, uh, you know, there were some, some of the elements were not working in his favor either. Certainly, you know, three walks and two strikeouts is, uh, not the Brandon Woodruff command we saw last year. Yeah, uh, excuse me. Uh, I typically was taking him late in second round, early third round, and starting to regret it uh, a little bit. But I, I, as you said at the off the top, uh, it's still very early, short springs. Um, the weather certainly didn't help him. So uh, give it a bit of time. I wouldn't be panic selling uh, just yet. But uh, I'm definitely not thrilled uh, with how they started out the year. Urias, I also roster in another league, and it's not uh, Jose Barrios as well. There's, there's a few starters, a lot of starters, who I guess we need to give them a little bit more leeway than we typically would this year uh, because of the lack of spring. Yeah, I think that's right. You know, Brent and I, uh, my co-GM Brent Hershey and I, did a, did a little project last week where uh, for the first two days of the season, the two sort of opening days, we kind of drew up a schedule and watched at least a little bit of every game. And it was just, most of those games were an absolute slugfest uh, with a lot of these, you know, it was obviously everyone's opening day starters going, right? And most of them were getting knocked around. And even the ones that didn't get knocked around, obviously were having short outings, getting pulled after 70 pitches and, you know, inevitably four and two thirds innings. Uh, and, you know, Brent and I sort of came to the conclusion that, well, you know, whoever said that, you know, Pitchers are usually ahead of the hitters at this time of year. Uh, you know, you can throw that out the window. But then, of course, we did that on Thursday and Friday. And uh, I think it was uh, Joe Sheehan from the Joe Sheehan newsletter who tweeted that Saturday, which should have been number three starters going, was like one of the lowest scoring 15 game schedules like in MLB history. <laughs> you know, so, you know, go figure. All the aces got rocked 
all the number three starters came out and dealt on uh, on Saturday, and now you know Sunday, and then you know the first couple of days of this week with the off days, we're uh, we're going through uh, you know the back end of these rotations, and I think just today we're starting to see a couple of guys make their second start, so we'll start to get a little bit more information. But but you know in general, in a normal year with a normal spring training. I'd be sitting here saying it's way too early to draw conclusions about absolutely anything. So I think, you know, that has to be the, the sort of default posture even more so than usual, given all the extra variables. Yeah. Yeah. We're not dropping uh, any of those marquee guys, obviously. It's just uh, something to keep an eye on going forward. Yeah. It doesn't mean we're not sweating though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, of course. I have Woodruff in both category and points leagues and uh, he actually scored it in the negatives and points leagues. So it was really rough, but you know, his season last year as a whole was, like you said, he tailed off a bit down the stretch, but he was still one of the five or five or seven best pitchers in the National League. Is that fair? Five or seven? Yeah. Totally. So, I, so I think uh, I think we have to just hold on there and, uh, you know, give them a couple more outings possibly, and they'll turn things around to what we know. Uh, let's maybe go into a couple of guys who – were drafted later on and have started off um, really hot and who look like they might be able to sustain value throughout the season, despite maybe being drafted after pick 200 or so 250. Is there anybody uh, that maybe you drafted late who you really liked from a, from a late draft pick? Not a super hot start um, at the plate, but one guy who I've been really excited about is Darren Ruff with the Giants. Um, you know, a couple of things going on there. You know, there was sort of this um, within our baseball HQ community. He was sort of a bit of a lightning rod this uh, this off season because it started off season started out with him having a fairly good projection in part time playing time. You know, in a on a per bat basis, you know, pretty good rate stats, right? And then come February during the lockout, when it became clear that we were going to have an NLDH, we bumped up his playing time quite a bit. Suddenly, he was popping on like every ranking list, every draft guide, you could projected value. He was like, you know, more than a $20 player, uh, you know, having, you know, 270 batting average and, you know, 25 home runs and these sorts of things. And of course, everyone else in the world was valuing him, you know, quite low. His ADP was, you know, south of round 30 in a bunch of places, but he was mm-hmm. popping high on these lists for us. And normally that would lead me to, say like oh whoa whoa this projection's a little bit you know too crazy we got to dial this back a little bit but i kind of looked at it in more detail and he's got sort of an interesting career path you know he's 36 years old now and you know spent the prime of his career with uh, the phillies uh, before going to japan you know four five six years ago and back then he was like a lefty master he was a bad side platoon guy which is why a uh, you know low at bat good production projection kind of made sense but he was in japan seemed like he t- changed his swing a little bit came back to the Giants, who, of course, are these miracle workers with, like, you know, underappreciated veteran backs like him and Brandon Crawford and all these other guys to get all these mileage out of. Um, so, and he was very good last year, both against lefties and righties in, you know, sort of limited playing time. So I didn't want to keep projecting him to be just a bad side platoon guy. And so even though he's only hitting 250 so far this year, the things I like are, one, the Giants gave him a two-year contract for – I mean, seemingly no reason at all for, for a 36-year-old DH, right? You know, that right. seems like somebody you would just go year to year with, but the Giants wanted to lock him up. And they've been batting him third and fourth 
all, all through the first week here against both lefties and righties, which I think also speaks to the fact that they think they have something here. And when, you know, we haven't completely figured out what the Giants are doing with these veteran hitters, but, you know, when they tell us they think they've got something good, I've, I've at least gotten smart enough to listen, you know? So um, I'm starting to think that Ruff might be one of those things. And I've, I ended up picking up a lot of him in my drafts, especially kind of late in March as this was playing out. So um, even though he's not mashing the ball, uh, just based on his usage pattern and what I see from the Giants, I, I, I sort of like the way it's playing out. It, it seems like they believe in him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he hasn't been uh, crazy hot to start the year. He, ha- he has recorded at least a hit in every game, uh, one hit in every game. And something we talked about last week with Ryan is that the Giants have organizationally uh, really done a good job in bringing in guys who were not as successful in other places and turning their careers around uh, in San Francisco. Not that he's a new acquisition here, but he's someone who I think, like you said, uh, being drafted, he's only rostered on uh, Yahoo leagues in 3% of leagues. So he's, he's an afterthought, right? He's someone you can uh, totally. slot in there at the back of your lineup and he will Looks like he'll have decent value. Even last year in the 262 at-bats, he had 16 home runs. So 270 batting average is definitely a rosterable player. Uh, and it's a good call because no one's really talking about him. I haven't heard him talk about too much. Uh, not not really somebody that was getting a lot of buzz preseason and in mock drafts, things like that. So I think that's a really good call there with Ruff. Uh, well, someone who's returned decent early value for me has been – <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Miles Straw for yeah. the Guardians. Um, a couple of steals early on. Uh, I think he scored five or six runs. And he's someone who was drafted fairly late in drafts. His roster percentage has gone up a little bit. But uh, if he stays healthy, top of the lineup the whole year, he's easily a 30-steal guy uh, like he was last year. And he, he didn't really cost you much on draft day uh, post-pick 200. Um, so I, I'm liking what he can possibly do throughout the season here. I know it's early on. But uh, so far, I like what I've seen from him. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, in addition to the, you know, the fact that he's getting on base, <clears throat> scoring runs and stealing bases, I mean, those things are all great. But, you know, the, it's another case where you can learn a little bit from how the team's handling him. I think there were some questions that over the winter as people analyzed, you know, what was a pretty good season from him last year, especially when he got to Cleveland kind of out of the blue, uh, you know, stealing 30 bases. You know, there was some question about the sustainability of that and especially the on-base percentage. You know, would he get on base enough to keep we, – we, I think we can trust that the legs are, are, are a, a real asset there, but would he give himself enough, enough opportunities to run? But the Indians have stuck him in the leadoff spot and are continuing to stick with him there, and they also gave him a big contract. You know, they locked him up for four or five more years. So that also speaks to the fact that I think they think he is a cornerstone and when, uh, you know, Again, I won't say this about all 30 teams, but when a, a smart organization tells you what they think about somebody, you know, believe it. And the, the best news I see in his game log from the first four games is three walks and three strikeouts. If he stays even close to level with that and is drawing walks, not striking out a ton, putting the ball in play, which he did at like a 78, 79% clip last year, and is keeping that up so far in the very early going, I mean, that's great. And he's yeah, also he's, got he's also got way more ground balls than fly balls just eyeballing it, which, you know, if you're gonna be the you know, if he really is the sort of modern day Willie Mays Hayes, then that's what you want, <laughs> right? <laughs> a picture of picture of dropping and doing push ups every time he gets a pop up. 
Yeah, and I mean, it's it looks like he'll have that leadoff spot secured uh, in Cleveland. I don't think anybody else. We're looking at a fairly poor lineup uh, for the most part, but I think he'll have uh, he'll have playing time going forward there for sure. Uh, let's talk about uh, his teammate uh, Stephen Kwan. Uh, any, uh, I know I've added him in a couple of instances, and he's been a little unsustainable to this point. Uh, is he someone you think will be able to hold value throughout the season? It's going to be all. It, he's obviously not going to hit eight hundred. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he's going to cool off. But you know, it's actually that's actually kind of an instructive point that I wanted to. Uh, that I've been trying to keep in mind with him, and I've been sort of chirping to our readers every every chance I get. Um, you know, there, I, I I did a quick search on Twitter because I figured people had to be making this comparison, and sure enough, there are people comparing uh, this this start from Quan to Yerman Mercedes going nine for nine or whatever it was to start last year, right? Um, which is not to say that Quan is the next Yerman Mercedes. I think. You know the uh, scouting community who know the much know him much better than I do at this point would tell you that um, you know he's a much better pure hitter and a better prospect in that sense. And also to your point about the opportunity, I think the Cleveland outfield is such a mishmash that they have every opportunity to stick with him. Um, he might be you know trying to think of an out of nowhere player from last year. It's not quite the skill profile, but it it is more reminiscent of Akil Badu emerging as a you know, rule five pick in the Detroit outfield last year. Uh, but, but the cautionary point that I wanted to make was just in thinking back on Mercedes last year, how long the hot start sticks in your stat line. Like Mercedes started nine for nine. And even though he cooled off, he was still hitting 350 just thanks to the nine for nine until like early May. Yeah. So, you know, Quan may very well just go back to hitting, you know, 250, 260 here and look like a pretty ordinary player. But it's going to be a while before his numbers look ordinary, just because nine to thirteen takes a really long time to wash out. So you know, you you almost sort of want to evaluate him, you know, in weekly increments and not be looking at his full season stat line. Look at him as nine for thirteen this week, maybe you know six for twenty next week, and you know see what the trend line looks like there to give you a better picture of how he's settling in, how pitchers are adjusting, et cetera. Yeah, it's funny you make the comparison to Yerman Mercedes. On the show yesterday, I talked about uh, how it's very similar, eerily similar. Uh, different kinds of players, obviously, an outfielder and a catcher, but it's the same kind of worry that I had last year. I had a friend pick up Mercedes last year, and you know he's just a, he's going to be a drop in a couple weeks. So uh, a lot of people um, had that with him because he was someone who you kind of had to pick up last year, which is, I think where we're at with Quan right now, you almost kind of have to take a flyer on him in most leagues, maybe not in the shallowest of leagues, but I think in most leagues, you're going to take a chance on him. And if he regresses, then you just send him back to the waiver wire. But I feel like while he's hot, you got to take advantage of it at the moment. I mean, on the one hand, you can't ignore it. On the other hand, you know, regression is coming. So it's really just a question of how much violence can you get out of it before <clears throat> the regression monster kicks in. You know, the knock on him as it is so far is, you know, there's no home runs and stolen bases there. And, right. you know, this might be one of those places where he ends up becoming a better real life player for the Indians as a line drive hitting, you know, even if he settles in as a fourth outfielder or better than that, but, you know, holds up, uh, you know, for our fantasy purposes, a relatively empty batting average. Um, without a heck of a lot of power or speed. That's a place where you know, I was making the Badu comp 
earlier as sort of the out of nowhere guy emerging in the first days of April, but that's where that comp does not hold because Badu had some, you know, he was filling the box score with power and speed and you knew at least the speed was probably a, uh, a, a, a skill that would help him return value. I, it's not clear to me what, but what Quan's value proposition is going to look like when he's uh, regressed back to being a, you know, 270 hitter or whatever it is. Our, our full season projection is, you know, a two, is a 280 batting average with, you know, 13 homers and 50 RBIs and 400 plus at bats. I mean, that's, that's fine. But it's, uh, you know, it, it's not a, uh, you know, league swinging profile by any means. Yeah. I mean, if he can hit 13 home runs, I think we'd consider that to be a, a pretty big win. Uh, just from what we've seen so far, he's more of a contact hitter. And his numbers in the minors suggest that he's more of a, a contact hitter. I think the best case scenario for him is a kind of Michael Brantley type guy, high batting average, low uh, periphery numbers, but, and that would be like a best case scenario. Obviously Michael Brantley has been one of the better uh, contact hitters for several years now, but I, I think he's somebody to keep an eye on, especially in deeper leagues. I think he's worth taking, uh, taking a flyer on at this point. Uh, is there anybody else who uh, comes to mind for you either uh, maybe they're being drafted really high or really low, any player that uh, sticks out to you at this point of the season? Yeah, let's see real quick. Uh, one guy, another guy who I've been watching a little bit is, <clears throat> you know, some of the, the playing time in Colorado is always interesting for, uh, you know, for batters, especially as we try to figure out, you know, even if they're home road platoon guys, you know, how the Rockies are going to distribute their playing time can be a, a frustrating proposition. But, uh, you know, an early winner looks like it's uh, Connor Joe, who, uh, you know, I had picked up in a couple of, uh, couple of drafts this winter and you know he's moving around between dh first base and outfield and you know he seems like he's maybe one of the going to be the primary beneficiary there of the dh arriving in colorado you know first base was blocked by cron but now they can give cron some time at dh they can pull one of the outfielders into dh give their legs a day off in that giant outfield joe moves around he's been in the leadoff spot a couple of times after getting a couple of hits to start the season um it, it, I've sort of liked his skills for a while. And as I sort of said, as I started to comment on him, anybody who gets playing time in Colorado, we sort of have to take seriously, right? Yeah, you have to at least take a look at them for sure. And he started off really well. And last year in a short sample size, he was fairly impressive, you know, across the board. He's already stolen a base this year where he didn't uh, in 180 plate appearances last year. But I, I don't think speed is going to be a big factor for him there. Like you said, playing in Colorado, uh, he should ha- be able to carry, I'm going to say, 20-ish home runs are possible for him. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a big power guy, but playing in Colorado, he could be somebody who's also – he's only rostered uh, Yahoo 23% at the moment. So another guy who's – I feel like that roster percentage will climb. He's currently in the top 10 for ranking this year. Obviously, those uh, rank the top 10, whatever, isn't really going to matter so much right now. But people do pay attention to it. Uh, he will be added in a lot of leagues. So th- I think that is another really good call there. Uh, especially playing in Colorado. I've, I'm always attracted to guys who play in Colorado. It just It's just an added boost where, you, you know, they turn uh, mediocre players into rosterable, good baseball players, especially on the fantasy side. Yep. Uh, I'm totally. trying to think of examples from uh, previous years. Um, Ryan McMahon a little bit maybe is boosted from playing in Colorado. And um, there's one other player. I can't think of their name right now. 
but they, they tend to make more average players look above average. And I think that's probably what's going on here with, with Connor Joe, but you take it, right. You take the value where you could get it. It doesn't really matter why he's producing. It just matters that he is producing. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think the 20 home run target there is right in the button. Our projection has him for 15 in, but, but in just a tick under 400 at bats. So if that, you know, if he you know, gets off to this good start, takes out more playing time as a result of that, and then the playing time turns into 475 to 500 at bats, yeah, there's 20 home run pop there. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think he's uh, an interesting pickup. Uh, maybe, like I said about uh, Quan, not in the shallowest of leagues, but if you're getting into more uh, standard and deeper leagues, he looks to be someone who would be worth adding at the moment. Uh, Ray, we're not going to keep you too long. We really appreciate you coming on here. Uh, as our second guest on the show, we really, really, truly appreciate it. Uh, any baseball experts uh, who are coming on here obviously give us more credibility, and you're definitely doing that by uh, making an appearance here. So thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks for the invite. Do up with the pod. I'll be listening. Yeah, so this has been uh, Ray Murphy. You guys can find him on Twitter at RayHQ. He is the co-general manager of Baseball HQ. Ray? Have a great day, man. Take care. Thanks, Joe. That was Ray Murphy, guys. Really want to thank Ray for coming on to the show today. Really knowledgeable guy. And both of our first two guests have been uh, from the same company, which is his uh, baseball HQ. So really appreciate them helping us out here in the early going. We're going to have a slightly different show today. It'll be generally the same. Uh, but I think we're going to skip over the DFS stuff today because of the interview. We're going to be running way too long if I try and do that. So we will quickly look over some games from yesterday, and then we'll move on to today's stuff. Uh, the Red Sox and the Tigers was the first one that happened early in the afternoon. Neither starter was terribly impressive, and neither one of them uh, should be on rosters. Uh, I'm going to be fairly brief with some of these analysis analyses because um, I don't want to run too, too long. Right? Typically, I go for an hour, and if you add in the interview there, we're looking at like an hour and a half hour and 20 minutes. So I, I don't want to give uh, you guys too much stuff to go through. So I'll try and be fairly quick today. The Guardians and the Reds was the next game. And Shane Bieber was better than we saw in the first outing. Uh, a lot more promising. Uh, you know, if you're rostering him, if you owned, if you drafted him, uh, definitely a bit more happy here than with the first outing. His speed was down. Uh, definitely something I noticed watching it. He was topping out in like the low 90s so definitely something to keep an eye on people were uh, jokingly on twitter calling him fancy zach Granky, stuff like that i think he'll hopefully get the velocity back it's hard to say what's going on exactly um, but he did have some shoulder stuff going into the year so something to keep an eye on for sure tyler molly was uh, pretty good not great uh he started well and then fell off a little bit he gave up four runs only one of them was earned but i believe it was his own error that led to those runs being uh, unearned. So it was, <clears throat> excuse me, it was his fault whether or not the line uh, shows it. I believe he threw a ball away in the third inning. Uh, I think it was the third inning. He threw a ball away. Oh, so only one of the runs was earned. Um, four strikeouts, two walks. Not great for Molly. Something uh, we'd look for him to improve on next time around for sure. The Mariners took on the White Sox and really a promising debut for Matt Brash. His stuff looked really, really excellent. Struck out six over five and a third, uh, only four hits, two earned runs against, and he did give up uh, the long ball. I believe it was Luis Robert who took him yard. 
I'm I'm really comfortable in Brash. I'm going to be going and adding him uh, today in a couple of leagues where he's still available. He's already been scooped up quite a bit, but I definitely like what I can what I've seen from him so far. Uh, on the Chicago side, Vince Velasquez had a pretty good start, but I think I'm going to be leaving him on waiver wires. Not somebody who's going to have much fantasy relevance this season. The Cubs and the Pirates is the next game. And Drew Smiley actually threw a really good game. Five innings, uh, three hits, just one strikeout, but no runs, and he did get the win. So uh, a great fantasy line for him there. Also not someone I'm really going to be looking at for fantasy, but a good line today nonetheless. And his counterpart, Jose Quintana, also had a very good game, five and a third. Uh, he gave a five hits, just one run. It was on a home run. He did walk two. Uh, it wasn't quite the same outing that Smiley had, but still a very good outing from Quintana but also someone I'm not really going to be worried about in fantasy so much. Oakland and Tampa is the next game, and you know I figured we'd see a bit better out of Tommy Romero. He really struggled here. He walked five batters, gave up three runs, all of them earned, and he gave up a home run. Not, not very impressive in his debut. <clears throat> I was thinking we'd see a better performance out of him. So if you stream to men, it's disappointing. You're probably going to be sending him back to the waiver wire. I might hold on and see, but I completely understand uh, people sending him back to the wire today. In Oakland, we had Adam Aller, who I believe was uh, also making his debut. Not very impressive from him either. An inning and a third. He gave up five hits, five runs, all of them earned. Walked three, two home runs. Not very impressive from those guys. I'm going to be leaving them both on... Waiver wires, there's a chance that they were added for today's games, but if they were, then they can just be sent back down or sent back to waiver wires, I should say. No problem there. The Mets and the Phillies was the next game, and Tyler McGill, my God, this guy looks to be legit this year. If he's still on waiver wires, and his roster percentage is up over 70% now, so if he's still on your waiver wire, then you say thank you. First you go and you add him, and then you say a little prayer and say thank you. And then uh, it looks like you'll be able to bank those results going forward because I was a little worried heading into Philly here about how he would do. He, he pitched very well in the debut, not in his, uh, he pitched last year, but in his season debut, pitched very well, albeit against a bad Nationals team. And then he replicated it with almost an identical outing here against a much better Philadelphia team. So I really like what we saw from him there. Zach Wheeler also had uh, not a bad start. You got to give him a little bit of time because he wasn't feeling well in the spring. He had some shoulder stuff going on. Uh, yeah, I believe it was his shoulder. We talked about this yesterday. Shoulder, and he had flu stuff going on in the offseason, in the in spring training. So we got to give Wheeler a little bit more time. However, he wasn't bad. Four and two thirds, uh, just the two hits, three strikeouts. They give up a home run, but he looked very good. So. Uh, give him a couple more outings, and then we should see uh, typical Zach Wheeler back again. The Brewers and the Orioles is the next game. Now, I had suggested going after Eric Lauer as a stream, and that was okay, not great. Four and a third. He gave up three earned runs, struck out five. Uh, not not great for the Orioles. You figure uh, he would have done better there against a fairly poor team. But, you know, it, it is what it is. Probably going to be sending him back to waiver wires in most instances today. He was going up against Spencer Watkins, who doesn't have any fantasy relevance. Three innings, four runs. Only one of them earned uh, and two walks. But no, nothing to see there on the fantasy side, really. The Marlins and the Angels, great pitching matchup here. We had Jesus Lazardo come out of nowhere, really, and strike out 12 over five innings. I was not expecting that. I did say on the show yesterday I thought it would be a fairly good pitching matchup. I was not expecting um, it to be quite this good. 
both Sandoval and Lazardo are looking like they should be rostered, at least in deeper leagues at this point. Lazardo in standard leagues as well. Uh, and Sandoval is probably a bit more of a deeper league guy, but after what we saw yesterday, I wouldn't be surprised if he's on a lot more standard league rosters. So both of those guys you can go ahead and add. And the next game was the Braves and the Nationals. This was a total blowout. The Braves had an offensive explosion from everybody. They had homers from Albies. They had two from Ozuna. And then multiple RBIs from Albies, Austin Riley, Ozuna, Duvall, Dansby Swanson, and Orlando Arcia all had multiple RBIs in this game. A real beatdown on Patrick Corbin, who is not someone who I really think is fantasy relevant outside of the deepest of leagues. And even then, it's going to be kind of tough because he's really just not very good. Two and two-thirds, nine hits, six earned runs. He walked three, struck out three. Not something you can really roster going forward. Not the kind of stat lines uh, you're really looking for there, obviously. His counterpart was Bryce Elder in this one. Big league debut, and, you know, he was fairly impressive compared to uh, what we saw from Corbin. Not not a fantastic outing, but five and two-thirds, six hits, three earned runs, four strikeouts for, for a debut. You know, you'll take that. It's fairly good. If you, if you streamed him in, You'll, you'll take that, and you'll be fairly happy with it. He got the win, so it's, it's a good fantasy line there. Um, not too much else to see. We had a, uh, a Juan Soto home run and a Josh Bell home run on the other side. Uh, nothing too wild on the batting side for Washington, though. The next game is the Dodgers and the Twins. I thought this would be more of a blowout than it was. It was 7-2 to two for the Dodgers. I mean, I know it's not a very close game, but I thought this game would get really out of hand because of Chris Archer. And it actually wasn't Chris Archer's fault. It was the bullpen that came in and really blew it. Archer threw four innings of two-hit ball, three strikeouts. Really surprising. I was not expecting that from Archer. And he's probably not someone I'm going to be worrying about outside of the deepest of leagues at the moment. I don't have a lot of faith in him. He has shown flashes throughout his career of, of good work, but I'm not going to be taking a chance on him at the moment. For the Dodgers, it was Andrew Heaney throwing four and a third, uh, going for a no decision. Three hits, one run. It was not earned. So a very good fantasy line if you streamed in uh, Heaney for today, despite not getting the W. Probably not someone I'm really interested in going forward, but the fact that he plays on the Dodgers, he might be able to sneak out 10 or 12 wins for you this season. So if you're, I mean, wins are a hard category to predict, but if you need a win on the odd day and he's starting, the fact that he plays for the Dodgers might go a long way in that regard. He's not going to do too much for you uh, across all five categories, but based on where he plays, he can definitely be good for a win or two this year. Uh, in certain situations. I don't have a ton of faith, but I think he can be all right. The Royals and the Cardinals. We saw Albert Pujols go yard in St. Louis, which is great to see. I grew up uh, admiring Pujols quite a bit, so that was a nice scene. Uh, Nolan Arenado also continued his torrid, torrid pace to start the season. Uh, I think he's currently still the number one ranked player on the year, and he's looking like a real sell high. If you can trade Arenado for someone you, uh, who was drafted in the first round, maybe not a lot of people are going to bite on that. But if you can trade him for a guy, um, a Freddie Freeman or a Bryce Harper, someone who was drafted in that first round, then you'd go ahead and do it. Dakota Hudson was all right, not as good as I was expecting. Four, uh, four innings pitched, three runs, all of them earned. He struck out four. You know, he's all, it was all right. Uh, he's been sent back to some waiver wires this morning, and I understand it. But I feel like there might be some mixed league value going forward there. So I would probably hold for now. He was going up against uh, Daniel Lynch, who did not have a great outing. He did strike out seven, but he gave up six earned runs over five, three home runs as well. 
I'm not looking uh not looking to add Lynch there. So let's move on to the next game, which was the Rockies and the Rangers. And I was not interested in this pitching matchup. And neither one of them was great. Uh, Chad Cool went four and a third, two hits, one run, and five strikeouts, while also walking four. So a little bit of a mixed bag there. Uh, not bad. Not a bad outing. Uh, counterpart was Martin Perez. And also not great. Four innings, seven hits, three runs, all of them earned. Uh, only walked one, but uh, not not looking at either of those guys to have much value this year for sure. Connor Joe continued up his nice pace, three at bats. Uh, he was on base all five times he came up to the plate, or five out of the six times he came up to the plate. So there's that. Um, four. I'm getting my numbers wrong here. He got on base three to four, three times, three times. Jesus. Need another coffee, clearly. He was on base three times, but he scored three runs. Uh, still someone I think is probably going to be iffy in standard leagues, but uh, going into your deeper formats, I think Connor Joe is someone that you can definitely roster comfortably for now. He will fall back to earth a little bit because this is just a, a fairly hot streak to start the year for him. But I think he's worth grabbing in uh, deeper leagues at this point. The Astros and the Diamondbacks was the next game of the night. A lot closer game than I really expected here. Um, but we had a fairly good pitching matchup. Luis Garcia went four innings, only the four innings, two hits, and only struck out one. Would have been nice to see him go a little bit longer, but they're not going to push him here. 71 pitches over four innings. I can understand them not pushing him to go farther than that, but it would have been nice to see uh, at this point of the season to go a little bit more. But... We completely understand. Uh, short springs definitely did not do anybody any favors, fantasy managers or real life managers alike. So, not uh, not the longest of outings, despite being fairly successful. Madison Bumgarner five innings, uh, gave up five hits, one run, uh, and walked two while striking out two. He was fine. He's not really someone I'm looking at outside of deep formats. And the last game of the night was the Giants and the Padres. And Yu Darvish got absolutely lit up. An inning and two-thirds, he gave up nine runs, all of them earned. Eight hits, two walks, only struck out two. A far cry from that uh, no-hit over six-inning effort we saw in the opener from him. Obviously, you just got to hope he picks it up next time. You're not going to be dropping him. But... It's, it's a little worrisome. Alex Cobb looked really nice. Five innings, four hits, two runs. They were both earned, but he struck out 10. Really a nice start for Alex Cobb. And someone who, you know, we talked about it uh, a few times now. We've talked about it with Ray, and we talked about it with Ryan last week, that the Giants have organizational philosophies, whatever the hell they are, that have led to turnarounds for a lot of players, both on the pitching side and the hitting side. And Alex Cobb may be the next guy uh, in that group who comes here and gets completely revitalized. So he's worth an ad uh, at this point, I think, certainly in the deeper leagues. And I think he's a borderline ad in standard leagues as well. So um, those will be that was the recap from yesterday. If we're looking ahead to today, uh, we have some early start times. So I'm going to be trying getting you the show before first pitch for these games. Josiah Gray and Max Freed are going in the first game of the afternoon, which is the Nationals and the Braves. We have mostly aces going today, so we won't talk too, too much about um, 
individual pitching matchups because we're pretty much everybody's back to their number one starter for today. It's not going to be much on the streaming side. Something that I will do going forward is um, put a thread out the night before on Twitter of pitchers to add for the next day. And I was going to do that last night, started off doing it last night, but there's not really anybody to add for today. Um, Maybe you add Merrill Kelly, a little bit of a riskier one, but I would possibly go and add him. Um, There's just not a lot of options. If you are, let's say you're in a situation where you need to win strikeouts this week, or you, I mean, it's week one, right? We need to be careful with really pushing too hard to win particular um, categories or win particular weeks at this point. But let's say you really need to stream, you're really going for strikeouts or whatever, then there's only a couple of guys you can really stream today. It's Merrill Kelly, uh, it's Tristan McKenzie in certain instances, and it's Nick Lodolo. Pretty much everybody else is going to be rostered. Um, Zach Thompson on the Pirates is not going to be rostered in a lot of cases, but I don't think he's really worth adding. So it's pretty much just, you know, guys who you've already drafted, uh, aces mostly going today. So there's not too, too much to talk about in terms of streams, which is a huge part of what I do here is talk about pitching streams. It's pretty much Lodolo, McKenzie, and to a lesser extent, Merrill Kelly. Those are the guys who I'd feel comfortable, and pretty much everybody else is going to be rostered. Now, um, as I'm recording this, I'm seeing that the Royals have been, uh, the Royals and the Cardinals has been postponed again. So we won't have a game there. I think it's probably a weather thing. I haven't looked too deep into it. So... We'll, we'll get back to um, Gray and Freed just for a second. Uh, Josiah Gray is probably, uh, it, it's a little risky, but deeper leagues, I would probably go ahead and add him. It may not work out for you today, but he's going up again, because he's going up against a good Braves team, but he's someone I have faith in going forward. Max Freed, we hope that he turns it around and has a bit of a better outing than he did last time. Cubs and Pirates, not much to see here between Kyle Hendricks and Zach Thompson. I'm thinking Kyle Hendricks will probably uh, not be as good as he was the first time out, but it's hard to say uh, really with him. He is such a mixed bag. Zach Thompson, I'm staying away from. Not somebody uh, I really like very much, especially not on the fantasy side. Um, the Guardians and the Reds, we mentioned McKenzie and Lodolo. They're pretty much they're two of the lower rostered guys going today. So if you need to stream, if you're trying to compete for strikeouts this week or what have you, then you can pick up one of those two guys. If you're looking for strikeouts, preferably McKenzie, but he is more rostered than Lodolo. Uh, Max Scherzer and Aaron Nola is the Mets-Phillies matchup. Really great matchup. Neither of them was quite as good as you would have hoped in the year in their openers. So we're hoping for a bit of a bounce back from both of them today. Uh, for the Dodgers and Twins, we have Chris Paddock making his debut for Minnesota. Going up against Clayton Kershaw. Not the greatest of uh, fantasy days to start him. Start against the Dodgers. It is at home. Um, But I'm probably not going to be taking a chance on him today. uh, Outside of very deep formats. He's not someone who's very attractive to me today. Uh, Kershaw. We'll see with Kershaw. Obviously Clayton's fantastic. But we'll have to see how he he can do here. Uh, Another year of mileage under the belt for him. So we'll have to see how he handles that. Uh, Detroit and Boston, we have Nate Ivaldi and Eduardo Rodriguez going up against each other. 
it's a, it's an okay pitching matchup. I like Ivaldi definitely more than Rodriguez. Ivaldi uh, was 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 undersung last year for sure. Uh, definitely a big strikeout guy, so I would definitely prefer him over Eduardo Rodriguez. Rodriguez is not much for me here. I mean, he's going up against his old team, so maybe there's a couple of tricks he knows, but they also probably know a couple of tricks against him that would lead me to believe that any advantage there gets canceled out uh, either way. So I'm not really looking to grab uh, Rodriguez. He's probably rostered in most leagues. Uh, it'd be a bit of a risky play to send him out there today. I'd feel fine about Ivaldi, but Rodriguez is a little more risky. Uh, the next game is Houston and Arizona. We have Framber Valdez and Merrill Kelly. And it should be a good pitching matchup. Um, obviously, Valdez was really good in his first outing, but Kelly was really good as well, you know, and not to that same level, but uh, it should be a good matchup where obviously the Astros are going to be favored here, but I think it'll be a fairly close game with a close matchup. Uh, Sean Manaya and Logan Webb, another great pitching matchup uh, between the Padres and the Giants, and another matchup where it's I'm looking for a low-scoring pitcher's duel. A uh, lot, lot of great arms going today. So I'm not thinking there will be such an offensive explosion. But, you know, who knows? Who really knows? Uh, like Ray was saying, opening the first couple of starters of the season kind of got rocked around. Your day one and day two guys. And then Saturday, the day three guys, it was one of the more low-scoring score, low 15-game uh, slates in Major League history. So... There is definitely some unpredictability with this stuff, but for the most part, you have to believe that the better team is going to win. So those kind of crazy outlier things will happen every now and again, but for the most part, you have to just believe in the, in the middle. Uh, it won't be extreme on one way or another. Most games are going to fall somewhere in the middle of that uh, expectation range. A couple more games to go over here. Uh, the Rays and the Athletics, again, Great pitching matchup, Frankie Montes and Shane McClanahan. Now, I'm definitely more comfortable with McClanahan. Obviously, just better team, more likely that he'll get a win out of it. But Montes has looked good, too. And, you know, he won't be on this team for very much longer, I won't imagine. So he's playing uh, for prospective new teams, right? He's trying to impress. Maybe not actively, but in his mind, he probably knows he's going to be traded. And... I think that that'll definitely impact the way he throws going forward. Uh, maybe put a little bit more into it to tr try and expedite his uh, exit prop perhaps from Oakland because there's not much going on over there in terms of success. So I can't imagine that he is too content staying there, but that's just my two cents on the matter. Let's move on. Next game is the Brewers and the Orioles. Another really good pitching matchup, Corbin Burns and John Means. I'm definitely looking for Corbin to... Bounce back a bit. Definitely was disappointing in his first start of the year. You would have expected more against the Cubs, but against the Orioles, uh, I'm very confident in him today. If something, if it doesn't go well today, then as Brewers fans, I'd be a little bit worried. But again, it's still very early on with a short spring. So everything is kind of in a grain of salt range at this point. Nothing can be taken too, too seriously. The next game we have is the Mariners and the White Sox. Robbie Ray and Dallas Keuchel, a good lefty-lefty matchup here. I, I like it, you know. Uh, it's a battle of a couple of former Cy Young winners. Granted, one of them much more recent than the other. But uh, I think, you know, we can have a decent matchup here. I don't think we'll have too high of a scoring game. That's my uh, general feeling on the matter. But 
I definitely like uh, I definitely like Robbie Ray more. Don't get me wrong, but I think we'll have a, a good pitchers duel today. That's my uh, feeling from that game. So that's all the games that are going to be going on for today. Oh, you know what? I almost left out my favorite team. How could I? The Blue Jays and the Yankees. That is the last game um, of the night here. I, I think it's starting last. Oh, technically the Mariners starts five minutes later, but this is the last game we will cover. The Blue Jays and the Yankees, both three and two records. We have Jose Barrios and Garrett Cole. This should be a very good pitching matchup. Barrios was awful in his first game of the season. I was at that game, and it was really tough seeing him not get out of the first inning. And then seeing them add insult to injury a little bit by checking him for sticky stuff. They had the nerve to check him for sticky stuff after going a third of an inning, giving up four earned runs, walking two, <coughs> recording one out. So uh, my friends and I got a kick out of that one. We felt bad for, for Jose there, but we can hope that he can uh, turn it around today against the Yankees. Definitely, definitely a better team than the Rangers. So a uh, harder matchup than before, but he'll he's had more pitches under his belt, albeit they were rough pitches. But I do look for him to uh, turn around today. Keep your expectations in check, but I think he'll turn it around uh, to some degree. Garrett Cole, four innings last time, wasn't great. I'm hoping for more here. Hoping for more as a fantasy manager, for sure. Not as someone who owns him uh, in any leagues, but as as a fellow traveler of the fantasy world, I hope that uh, people who drafted Garrett Cole in the first round, where he was going in every instance was first round, I hope he turns it around for you guys, because he's, you know, what we saw in the first outing was not ideal, for sure. So we'll look for him to turn it around here today. We do have a few minutes, so I will just touch on DFS briefly. Last night, we had definitely a better night than the night before. Uh, better outings from our pitchers. Neither of them was able to get into the fifth inning and complete the uh, complete enough innings to be in line for the win. Now, both of them, I mean, Garcia pitched well enough for the win. We had uh, Luis Garcia and Eric Lowers, our pitchers. They were both good. They both could have done better. Uh, we didn't have any zeros in the lineup other than Alejandro Kirk. Back-to-back -back days in the lineup, back-to-back -back zeros. Uh, a bit of a tough couple of days there for him. A bit of a tough start to the season for Alejandro. Other than that, we had a fairly uh, okay day in the lineup. Michael Brantley had three hits in an RBI. Uh, Chris Taylor, a triple, a walk, and a stolen base. Uh, Luke Voigt, a single, a run, and a stolen base. So we had some... We had some okay guys throughout our lineup here yesterday, only finishing with about 78 points. Not uh, the greatest of days because neither of the pitchers there qualified for the wins. So not a fantastic day, not a terrible day. Today we're looking at, uh, for me, Tristan McKenzie and Corbin Burns look really appealing uh, in daily leagues. They're the guys I'm deploying in one of my uh, DFS matchups. I have Tyler Stevenson looking as a good option at catcher today. Uh, Max Muncy at first. Owen Miller at second. Justin Turner at third. Willie Adamas at short. Kyle Schwarber. Kyle Tucker. And Eloy Jimenez as my outfielders. I feel very confident in my lineup for today. As confident as I've felt throughout the entire season. And a lot of that comes to Corbin Burns because he can really rack up the fantasy points. 
Um, once the season gets going, you will see that from Corbin. Massive strikeout numbers. He can really be a dominant points league guy and DFS guy. So that will pretty much do it for us today, guys. Uh, once again, I'd like to thank Ray Murphy for coming on. You guys can find him on Twitter at RayHQ. He is the co-general manager of Baseball HQ and had a really good time talking with him today. So thank you for coming on, Ray. Um, really appreciate that. We hope to bring you guys at least one guest a week going forward and hopefully more as we build. But uh, for now, we're looking at usually we're going to be on Wednesdays. We're going to have a guest. And I hope you guys have enjoyed them so far. Uh, hit me back on Twitter or even here, you can leave a review of the show on your podcasting app and let me know what you guys thought of today's show and what you guys have thought of the show in general for these first few weeks. We're just about at the month mark here, the one month mark of our show, uh, and we're starting to get comfortable with it. So let me know how you guys feel about it so far and anything you'd like me to do going forward. Uh, I'll give you guys the Twitter handles once more. For me, it's at JoeOrico99, so at J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. You guys can hit me there with questions, which you guys have been doing a lot more recently these last few days, which is really cool. Uh, you guys can hit me there either in the DMs or you can tweet right at me, and I will answer your questions as promptly as I can. Obviously, I'll be caught up with things from time to time, but I'll try and get back to you within the hour whenever you guys send me something. Those are the Twitter handles. You want to go and follow both of them. You want to follow me for the extra content. And I also post out the show. But you also want to go and follow the Ethos Fantasy BB account. E-T-H-O-S Fantasy BB, which is where the show is posted out from daily. I do retweet it or sometimes just tweet it out directly myself. But hopefully on the Ethos account, we we will be giving you more fantasy stuff throughout the season. So give us a follow on both of those channels. Uh, Really appreciate you guys tuning in today. We hope to see you back here tomorrow. So everybody have a great Wednesday and we'll hope we'll hope to see you then. Cheers, cheers, cheers.